Hey everybody, Brian McClanahan here. Are you looking for a great website that gives you history the way it was intended to be told? With no PC, no Marxism, no progressivism. Well, I've got it for you. It's LearnTrueHistory.com. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. Learn history from great professors who don't sugarcoat it for you. This is not for your delicate flowers. That's LearnTrueHistory.com. LearnTrueHistory.com. Com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to The Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 45. And my subject for today is a similar theme to some things I've been talking about here recently, but... Uh, it's going to be based on a parade article that ran a couple of weeks ago. Um, as a matter of fact, it ran on, let's see, September 9th, 2016. And for those of you who don't know, Parade is a little magazine that uh, gets put in your Sunday paper. Uh, I remember reading this uh, growing up. It used to come in the Washington Post all the time. And uh, so it's a, it's a fluff part of the paper. It's popular culture or... Um, you know, things that uh, would not normally make a newspaper. Uh, maybe they have an interview of somebody or, you know, something about style or... Anyways, it's, it's, it's a... It's something that you get uh, for light entertainment. But, of course, we're in the presidential season. And so Parade ran a cover story, and I'll link this in the show notes. Um... And the title of this is, Celebrities and Citizens Finish the Sentence, If I Were President. And so a user sent this to me, and uh, I thought it would make a great topic for a podcast because I think it highlights several things. And these are things I've been talking about before, but again, some of the stuff is so scary and also so stupid. And you think to yourself, wow, we're really in trouble. Uh, and there was a couple of... Um, surveys that were done mixed in with the with the material from the from the title of the subject as well from the from the main point of the piece and so i'll get to that too but uh, we really have a an education problem in america and of course I've, I've known this for some time and i think people have pointed this out for a long time but it's a civic education problem and that people really don't understand the delegated powers of the general government at all. And this is rather interesting because if you look back at the period when the Constitution was written and then ratified, there were several comments made about this. The founding generation was suspicious of democracy because of this very point. They did not think the people would make good decisions they did not think the people were going to be educated enough to make decisions about uh, the general government, particularly when it came to things like the executive branch. Now, it doesn't mean that they didn't trust the people. I mean, I think there was a large contingency of the, of the founding generation that trusted the people to make good decisions. But when you look at the Constitution, it is anti-democratic. There's one quote-unquote democratic element of, of the general government, and that's the, and that's the House 
if you look at the Constitution as a as a document that gives you four branches of government. Essentially, you have the the legislature, the executive branch, and the judicial branch. But then you also have the states. Then, of course, the states are also very democratic. So you could say there's half. But then, two, the Senate and the president, the executive branch, uh, the Senate being part of the, of the legislative branch, um, and then, of course, the judicial branch, which is not elected. I mean, so you have more people that originally were not elected directly by the people than you do where you have people who do directly elect the president. So a couple of terms that I think we need to make sure we, we use. One is that the United States government is a federal republic, not a, not a singular republic like in France, but it's a federal republic made up of constituent republics. And in those republics, you do have more democracy. And I've, I've mentioned this before on this podcast, how your vote counts more at your state government, you know, for your, for your state representative or for your local representative than it does for the general government. We don't have the president directly elected by the people. We have the Electoral College for that. And I did a podcast on the Electoral College and how I do believe the Electoral College is essential. But this is also very interesting because in Philadelphia in 1787, Alexander Hamilton advocated for essentially an elected king. Not directly elected by the people, but a king with a lifetime appointment or an executive with a lifetime appointment. And his statement on why is, I think, something that still resonates today. He said, and I'm going to paraphrase, but eventually everyone wants a king anyways, so why don't we skip the hassle of, of going the slow process of getting that and just give it to us right away? And people were shocked by this speech. Uh, Forrest McDonald has said that this really changed the tenor of the, of the convention. It was uh, you know, a, a beautiful speech that really uh, you know, turned the convention in a different direction. Now, I think the evidence is scant that it did any of that, but it did outline what Hamilton really thought about pol- his political philosophy, his ideas on government. And, of course, I'm, I'm writing this book where Hamilton is going to be half the book, um, over half the book probably, but uh, it, it shows what Hamilton really thought about government. And I think this is a very interesting point. Because I do think he was actually correct in this way. Not that it's good to be correct, but that he was correct. If you look at the history uh, of, of the world, and you look at the political history of the world, generally, we've had, more often than not, strong executive leadership. And it's tended to be some type of monarchical system. It's only been a relatively recent period in American, and I said American, but world history, I should say, Western civilization, but you can spread, you can go out beyond that, that we've had any type of long-standing democratic governments. Even when you look at places like Greece, Greece had its share of monarchical governments. In fact, you know, Aristotle in politics said very clearly, you know, monarchies are, are probably the best government. Uh, the problem is when you have a hereditary monarchy, the son may not be as good as the father, and that can create problems. So what he advocated was a mixed system, essentially, where you had, the, he, of course, 
Aristotle famous for his doctrine of the mean. You had a mean between monarchy and democracy, or you had kind of a, a democratic governments with oligarchic checks. And uh, that, that mean was supposed to be the best type of government, even though he did say that monarchy tended to be the best overall. And so we, we look at political history and we find that people generally tend to that. So, I mean, Hamilton was correct when he said, look, people are eventually going to want this. Just, just give it to them now. We get somebody good and we put them in there. I'm sure he was thinking of Washington. And Washington almost served a lifetime term anyways. I mean, he died in 1799. He didn't leave office until 1797. So he's almost in there for the rest of his life once he was elected in 1788 and started his, uh, his administration in 1789. So maybe that's what people really want, and I think it is in a lot of ways. This is when I wrote Nine Presidents Who Screwed Up America. I, I talked about this. You know, This is what people want out of the executive branch. And, of course, last week I did a podcast on uh, an author – scholar named Terry Moe, who says we need the president just to initiate legislation. Now, the president already does that. Uh, the way he wanted it to work is, you know, an up, or, uh, you know, up or down, yes or no vote. As the president submits legislation to Congress, they vote on it without any amendments or riders, and this would just be essentially executive government, which we already have. But I, And in some ways, I think this is what people want. Now, it's dangerous, and I argue the Constitution was not set up that way or ratified that way. And if we want to talk about the Constitution, if we want to talk about liberty in America, then we need to be very suspicious and careful with executive power. It doesn't mean that the legislature can't abuse power. Of course they can. We saw it during Reconstruction. There was no check on legislative power during Reconstruction. Uh, neither the, the Supreme Court nor the executive branch could check what the Congress wanted to do, and the states had no power. So what we're always seeing in government is this balancing act, this, this struggle for power. Uh, for some time in American history, the states did assert themselves and say, look, we have the power. But that generally was crushed, not de jure, but de facto, meaning in fact, uh, for a time, because of the war, uh, you are starting to see a resurgence of state power, and I think that's a good thing because it is there to help keep the general government in line in a variety of ways. This isn't just a quote-unquote conservative critique of the American political system. Uh, there are a lot of leftists who are realizing that, hey, I mean, the, the, the states can do things. We can legalize marijuana, for example, or decriminalize it anyways. So we can nullify and, in fact, say we're not going to follow that federal law on marijuana any longer. You don't have the manpower to arrest people for it. And the states, the law enforcement officials, the LEOs, have to comply with federal law oftentimes. Uh, they're the ones who go out and arrest people. The U.S. government doesn't have the, the manpower. The ATF, the, the FBI, the Marshal Service, all of these law enforcement arms of the federal government really don't have the manpower to enforce federal law, so the states have to be responsible for it. And local communities, if they don't enforce it, well then, 
the law is basically null and void. So the states are starting to reassert their authority. Uh, the Congress is still spineless. Uh, the judicial branch generally rubber stamps whatever the Congress and the president want to do, at least currently. I mean, we have, we have a divided court, five to four, now four to four. We'll see what happens. But the executive branch has become the most powerful branch in government. And I think, again, this is what people want. I don't think it's a good thing, personally. It's not constitutional. And when you look at this, the comments that are made in this particular piece, and I'm going to read some of them to you. I, I think that they're, um, they're shocking in many ways, though not, I say shocking, no, it's, I'm not really surprised. I, I think there is, in one way, and as I read through this the first time, I thought there was quite a divide between what celebrities said they would do as president and what normal people said, you know, as everyday citizens said they would do as president. There is a little bit of divide there. I think the American population, uh, the people of the states, generally look at things a little differently. Uh, celebrities live in their la-la land where <laughs> you wonder where these people, first of all, get their information and... I guess it's because they have so much money and people pay so much attention to them. They come up with some very strange things. Or the causes they support are not the causes that everyday Americans think are important. Because everyday Americans don't have their kind of money and, and celebrity status. A lot of these people are actors. And this also, this also brings up an interesting question. Why should we celebrate these people? If you look at one particular period in Roman history, for example, the, the Romans thought that actors were some of the worst people in society because they acted like someone else their entire life, and so they were generally re regulated to the status of prostitutes. Uh, they, weren't, they weren't really supported. Uh, they didn't. I mean, people liked to go to their, to their uh, performances, but no one paid attention to them other than, hey, you did a great job acting, but who are you? We can't really trust you, and so... Uh, they didn't. There was a point where these people were essentially ostracized. They they weren't uh, celebrated like we do our modern actors or musicians. Uh, maybe we need to think about that. Uh, you know, why is it that we even care what some of these people think? So, I mean, in some ways, I'm doing this podcast because I want to highlight how stupid this really is, and then. Put it out there. And I talked about this with the Colin Kaepernick issue. You know, just don't watch it. Don't watch the NFL. And I think the ratings are down. People are not watching it as much this year. Uh, they're just not. It's, uh, I think that the, the protests have had an effect on what the general population wants to tolerate with the NFL. Uh, now, the NFL, as I've said, you know, now Roger Goodell's come out and said that he supports the actions of, of these football players, but who's the commissioner of the NFL, but at the same time, you know, people don't have to watch it. The sponsors don't have to pay any money for these things. And, uh, you know, they can lose revenue. If people stop paying attention, if you don't like a particular actor or actress, if you stop going to their films and stop paying attention to them, well, guess what? They go away. So what people pay attention to determines what kind of voice someone is going to have. If you if you don't like this podcast, you don't listen well, uh, then uh, I would go away, right? So I'm sure some people would like that. 
But if you listen to this podcast and you like it, well, then you need to share it with everybody because I don't want to go away. <laughs> so um, think about that. There is, a, there is an economic, there's one thing the founding generation did figure out correctly, and that's economic coercion has oftentimes as much effect as military action. You know, in the 10 years leading up to the war for American independence, they use economic coercion quite often, and it worked. Got the Stamp Act repealed. Uh, the Townshend duties were limited to tea alone at one point because of economic coercion. When you hit someone in their wallet, they pay attention. And so boycotts do work. Boycott the NFL if you don't like it. Boycott Hollywood. Don't watch the filth. Even if it's popular, don't watch it. Take a stand for something. Think locally, act locally. You can change your own environment by getting this disease out of your life. So do it. But let's read some of these things. What these people now again? The question was: Finish the sentence. If I were president, so we start with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. This is what he says: "Quote: If I were president, I would make Constitution Day. Yes, there really is such a day, September seventeenth, a nationally celebrated holiday with public readings from the Constitution, a Supreme Court versus Congress basketball game, and other events that promoted learning about the greatest political document ever written." We need better public understanding of the document that is supposed to guide the moral and social choices of our government and our people. Okay. First of all, we do have a Constitution Day, and it's already a nationally celebrated holiday. Now, it, nobody gets the day off. I guess this is what he's you know, insinuating, that we need a day off. But, you know, in every school across the country that gets any type of federal money, you're required to have a Constitution Day. Celebration. Now, first of all, September 17th is the day the Constitution was signed in Philadelphia, but it's not the day it was ratified, and it was just a scrap of parchment. Still is really just a scrap of parchment uh, because nobody pays attention to it. But this would be completely unconstitutional. Uh, you know, so the other thing that's it's unconstitutional to have a Constitution Day to begin with. The other thing that I find interesting is he said this is the moral this document guides the moral and social choices of our government and our people. Since when? Since when does the Constitution guide the moral and social choices of our government and our people? It's a frame of government. There's no moral uh, choices to be made in the Constitution other than just follow the thing. Uh, the social choices? What does that have? I mean, just follow the document. That's the only moral and social choice you can make if you're in the general government. Pay attention to it. In particular, the Constitution is ratified. So I can agree with Jabbar that nobody knows anything about it, and I'll get to that in a minute. But this is just a ridiculous statement. Again, though, he's looking at things for the president being an elected king. I decree that this is a national holiday, and everyone, we're going to have a basketball game. We're going to have a jousting tournament, right? Here's the king. Uh, and we're going to celebrate this thing, celebrate the glory of the general government, because this document guides our moral and social choices. Hmm. I'm not so certain. It was never designed to do that to begin with. But, I mean, this is, this is just a preposterous statement. 
So again, he's a celebrity. He's a former basketball player. He also was down at LSU for a time. I think they had a Civil War center down there, and uh, he worked at that. But just ridiculous. Drew Barrymore. Now, I don't know how these people are, are serious, but this is what she said. Drew Barrymore, the actress. I would insist on three-day weekends. It would change the universe. <laughs> so again, where does the president have that authority? I guess saying she would insist, she can't by decree say it, but this is the uh, make recommendations element. So Congress, make sure everybody gets three-day weekends. I mean, just stupid. Um, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. I like Tom Hanks' movies. Uh, he's always done very good films. Um, but this is what he says. And again, it it shows a disconnect between the population and the general population in Hollywood. So this is what he wants. Quote, this is goofy, and this is just absolutely me. I would make a truly great state-of-the-art national rail service a huge priority because of the infrastructure it would provide. So let's just make really good rail transportation all over the country so we don't have to go to O'Hare and be at the mercy of rainstorms and backed-up flights. Why can't we take a good train from St. Louis to Denver and have it really only take like eight hours? Have it like it is in Europe, where it's cheap, efficient, and fast. That's what I'd do. If you put this out there and said to the, if you put a, you know, a poll to the general public, uh, and this is where you know, Joe Biden back in 08 said, you know, we got to save Amtrak. Who the heck cares about Amtrak except elites? They've been trying to get a, a high-speed rail service between uh, two cities. that I, One is Atlanta and the other city we're on for years, and nobody wants it because it's expensive. And people think this is just stupid. Nobody wants high-speed rail service. We don't care about that. But, I mean, this is what I'd do as president. I'd go out there and say, this is what we got to do, Congress. we got to build this rail service. Again, there's no constitutional authority to do that. I know that we have the interstate highway system, and and uh, but when you look back at the early republic, early federal republic, and you've got um, bills put forward that would provide for infrastructure, they were vetoed because they were unconstitutional. There's nothing in the Constitution that gives the general government the power to create to build roads or railroads. It's just not there. But nobody cares about that because they don't know. Uh, now, here's one. Craig Morgan. He's a singer. He's a, he's a you know, musician. He says, quote, Strengthen our military to such a degree that no one else in the world would dare cross us in any way. We have to start there. You can't fix your economic problems. You can't fix your religious issues if you're not free. So you've got to start by being free. Make a strong military. Make a statement with all the power that we have and none of the rest of the world wants to mess with us and we can fix all of our other problems. Hmm. Generally, countries with very large standing armies, and first of all, the United States already has the largest standing army in terms, well, at least uh, maybe not manpower now, but in terms of money expenditures, we already spend more than just about every other country combined on our military. So generally countries, though, that have these very strong standing armies, there's not a whole lot of freedom there. 
And the founding generation recognized this as well. There was actually a, a grave concern that we would have a standing army. Uh, standing armies don't create freedom. In fact, they're used oftentimes to send citizens overseas and foreign wars to die. And this is what we have all the time. So this is a very scary thing. Uh, now, a parade poll, uh, this gets into this with the rail system. Parade polled 6,500-plus readers about the issues, and here their top priority was economic growth, followed by uh, health care, uh, defense, and then gun laws and immigration. Now, again, who are these people? Uh, who knows? But economic growth, number one. Uh, now, what the government can do about economic growth is pretty simple. Just get out of the way, and then you have economic growth. So we think that the, the government should create jobs, which should, the only way it can ever do that is not to get in the way of overregulation. So, but people don't realize that. They think that some government program, as we're going to see here in a minute, is going to be out there creating jobs. Uh, Dr. Oz. Here is, you know, Donald Trump goes on the Dr. Oz show. This is what he says we should have. I would ask every 18-year-old to spend a year of service to our country in return for helping them pay for their education or get a permanent job. So this is the idea. This is, again, European. Uh, in some European countries, you gotta, you're mandated to go out and give a year of your time driving ambulance or uh, ambulance or uh, you know trying to uh, work or you know, have to join the military or something like that. Again, completely unconstitutional, but uh, this is what I mean. Again, decree. This is what we're going to do. Hey, we're going to get people to go out and work for the government. Um, here we have a Terry McMillan, who is an author, and she says, "quote." I would be sure to appoint someone from the LGBT community into my cabinet. Figure out how to eliminate gerrymandering. Limit the amount of money an individual and corporation can donate to anyone running for public office. Increase the minimum wage to $20 per hour and forgive student loans. I wish I could include mandating an executive order to stop all individuals from being able to purchase assault weapons that include more than six rounds. But I won't. Uh, so, I mean, what's stopping you, Terry? Uh, why not just decree all this stuff? I mean... You know, now the first part, you know, point someone to the uh, from the LGBT. I mean, that's fine. Uh, you know, you can you can if you want to make that a criteria for being appointed to a cabinet position, the Senate ratifies that conf and conf confirms that appointment. Well, uh, have at it. Uh, but figure out how to eliminate gerrymandering. Um, hmm. Uh, considering that the states now, of course, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, uh, which you know, today is a controversial bill because people wonder if it's even necessary anymore. Uh, but, I mean, the idea is um, the states don't have complete control of their congressional districts, but only some states don't have complete control. Every other state, except if you're in the South, has complete control of their legislative districts. Uh, so, I mean, that's something that's up to the states. Uh, the general government has no constitutional control of that. Uh, limit the amount of money an individual and corporation can donate to anyone running for public office. Again, you know, campaign finance is uh, not really a federal issue. The states determine that. Uh, now, we've, we've got laws passed to that effect, but they're unconstitutional. Uh, increase the minimum wage of $20 an hour. Again, unconstitutional. And forgive student loans. Again, unconstitutional. So uh, even the idea of you know, lending money uh, to individuals was uh, not something the Constitution 
was ever the founders ever contemplated. So they bypassed the states and everything to give money out. But uh, all of these things unconstitutional. Uh, I do like what Dame, Dave Ramsey said. He said, look, I would tell people to be their own secret sauce. America is still the best place in the world to start with nothing and make something of yourself. But it's up to you. So he's just going to tell people, hey, this is what you, you can do it. You know, so I like that. I mean, it's not he's not saying I'm going to go out and mandate everyone listens to my radio program uh, to learn how to be your own, you know, your own uh, bank and, uh, you know, bank on yourself. It's not his his policy, but uh, to go out there and and uh, make it, you can do it. You just got to cut your spending. That's Dave Ramsey's whole thing. Cut your spending down to nothing and you can get out of debt and you can be uh, successful. Um. Let's see. William Shatner. So here we have Captain Kirk. I'm deeply into the environmental thing. Bernie Sanders made the statement, which I wholeheartedly agree with. There is no other issue of more importance than recapturing the health of the environment. Everything else pales by comparison. That's what I would do if I were president. Of course, maybe live long and prosper too without Spock. But, I mean, again... The environment is one of the, it's not even, when, when parade poll people, it's not even on the radar. This is where Hollywood actors are disconnected from reality. Now, uh, we all like clean water and clean air. But again, is, is the general government responsible for these things? They're not constitutional. But this is what Hollywood actors think. Uh, now, here's another poll. 10% of college grads polled who th- uh, thought Judge Judy was on the Supreme Court. One-third that's college grads, 10%. One-third of Americans polled don't know the Supreme Court was part of one of the three branches of the federal government, 33%. And 28% of Americans say they have read the Constitution. Out of those 28%, I would get, dare to guess about maybe 1% actually know anything about the original Constitution, probably less than that. So even if you've read it, it doesn't mean you know anything about it. So we're living in a, I mean, this is why I say Americans want a king, because they don't know. And they just want government to do something. So when Hamilton said, we should just have a king now, skip all the trouble, just go with it. I've said before, look, there's a fear of a runaway constitutional convention where we would just get this out of control central authority. We already have it. Might as well codify it and uh, say this is what's going to happen. This is what we're going to have, rather than we argue over it all the time. And that's, that's the real problem. Uh, I'm not in favor of it, absolutely not, but it would save us the hassle. And maybe in Hamilton was right that way. Um, let's see. Uh, Christian Wig, an actress, a comedian. I would change the prison system. I would change school lunches. Wait, I thought we had a first lady already did that. There are so many things. Yeah. And figure out the whole super delegate delegate thing and try to make that fair. Yeah, so the president's going to tell the political parties, well, this is what you got to do with your delegates. So here we have a disaffected Bernie Sanders voter, obviously. And I mean, I agree. You know, the, the, the process was rigged for Hillary Clinton to begin with. But here we have one of those saying the president would then deal with that issue. I mean, it's just idiotic. Um, oh, uh, here's one, another actress. Bryce Dallas Howard, a young lady, I would listen. Also, I would treat inequality of any kind as a scourge. I would spend my focus on ensuring and fighting for equality. 
Um, yeah, I don't really see how this constitutional, but I mean, I guess if you have the bully pulpit, as Teddy Roosevelt called it, you go out there and talk about whatever you want. Uh, let's see. Woody Harrelson. Now, this is actually one thing that you know, I don't agree with Woody on why he wants to do it, but because he, he, he contradicts himself. But anyways, he says, quote, here's an actor. I would take away all of the corporate welfare. Just take that away. Now, of course, he can't physically do that. Congress would have to pass legislation to that effect. But I agree. Corporate welfare is a bad thing. Every year, billions of our tax dollars are going to oil companies, coal companies, timber companies, all over the world, and to the military. Well, that's the number one industry. It's also the most heavily subsidized industry. I look at all those areas. So I agree. Uh, we should look at cutting spending, and corporate welfare is a problem. Um, so let's not do that. Cut out all the giveaways. I really like what Roosevelt did with his New Deal. Okay, so here's his contradiction. So he wants to get rid of giveaways, but yet he wants to giveaways because he wants the New Deal. So, you know, you got to if you want to get get out get rid of the giveaways, and you got to get rid of both the corporate welfare and the subsidies, crony capitalism, and you have to get rid of the subsidies to people as well. You want to cut spending? Let's do it. So, Harrelson got it partly right. Of course, he can't do this as president. Um, let's keep going here. Um, I would make it essential, this is Cheryl Ladd, who's an actress, I would make it essential that every single human being in America study the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution and understand why America is different from other countries and how proud we should be of this country and the young men who sacrificed their lives and families to give us this freedom. Okay, so, again, I agree, studying the Constitution is very important, uh, but you can't mandate that. Um, it is important, so at least I can agree, but the president really has no control over that. Now, here's one. Viggo Mortensen, another actor. I would make it compulsory mandatory for everyone 18 and older to vote. Punishable by a fine if you don't. That's what happens in other countries. Now, this is just scary, right? It's, it's crazy. But here we have an actor saying we should make sure everyone votes. Go out there and make sure you do it. We're going to fine you if you don't. This is what the whole beauty of voting is about. You can or you can't. You want to vote? Great. You don't. If you're not participating, well... You don't really have much control over things, but I would say, of course, your vote really doesn't count at the federal level anyways. Now, I guess if you mandated everyone voted, but it still doesn't count because the people that you're voting in or out, they don't really care what you think. When it, With a representative ratio of 770,000 to 1, your vote really doesn't matter. Uh, Chris North, an actor. I would create a United Nations for climate change that we focus strictly on that and solve it in this century. Everything else works itself out. But if we don't have a planet to live on, what's the point? Again, an issue that nobody really cares about in the American public. Because ah, it's questionable whether this is really even happening because of man. Uh, let's see. Keep going. Um, uh, Cassidy Pope. I would make music in schools mandatory as president. Yeah. That's going to be something that's constitutional. Uh, Jamie Lynn Spears. I would make it so there's only one day a week that has to be a family day. Again, great idea, but not really constitutional. Um, let's see. Gabrielle uh, Carteris. My administration would focus on job creation, quality education, affordable health care, environmental preservation, and ensuring equal rights for all. I would challenge all Americans to treasure their citizenship and work to help our communities flourish. I'd also take advantage of the wonderful White House vegetable garden. Ooh, 
That sounds nice. What are you going to do? I guess you're going to eat the vegetables. If you want, uh, you know, environmental preservation and for, maybe you could grow vegetables for everybody. I don't know. That'd be good. Just turn the White House into a plantation farm, right, where you have people come in and uh, maybe it's a big co-op. People come in, they buy the White House vegetables. I don't know, just give it away for free. Everyone comes in, free vegetables for all. Now, when you get to the actual citizens, um, you know, there's different things, but, uh, you know, there is a woman from Missoula, Montana, who says, you know, we got to provide all these different things uh, for people, um, health care, clothing, housing. Again, unconstitutional, but, you know, so her, her focus is more on, you know, the local. This is interesting. See, there's a disconnect. She's looking at things and saying, we got these problems. we got homeless people. we got military veterans that are pro- – well, this is the local. This is what charity is all about. This is think locally, act locally. Take care of this on your own. Uh, Christy Adams, a stay-at-home mom and a factory worker from Tennessee, says put term limits on everyone. Of course, the president can't do that, but this is what we need. We need to keep these people out. Uh, a uh, a Miriam, uh, Miriam McGrath, I'm sorry, 70, from Sheboygan, Michigan, said um, – She's going to improve the economy by cutting taxes and regulations. Hey, that's a good idea. I wants to encourage manners. Uh, that's that's nice. Of course, the president can't do these things on their own, but this is what people think. Uh, uh, Melanie uh, Wolfzorn of Stafford, Virginia, homeschool parent, says decriminalize drug use and possession and spend the money on treatment and diversion programs. Again, unconstitutional, but hey, it's... Uh, Decriminalizing is a good idea. I mean that that is constitutional, but as far as you know, spending the money, uh, that's you know, just let the states do that. Um, so I mean, these are interesting. You know, here's one: Kimberly Harrison, pay moms. Hey, I know a lot of moms out there like that, but unconstitutional. But hey, pay some moms out there. Um, uh, Lori Odua said that uh, make this country a safe place for future generations. Hey, I got an idea for you, Lori. I agree. Do that in your own community. Think locally, act locally. You can do that. All of these things that people are mentioning really are local issues. Uh, and Angela Smith says, you know, make sure education was a priority for all Americans. You can do that in your own community. You can make it a priority there. Um, only one person mentioned the environment and all the normal, common people. Um, now here's a good one. Lynn Callahan from uh, Lafayette, Louisiana. Not allow another dime to be spent until it was explained to me where the money was coming from. A country should be run like a business, not like a game of Monopoly where the money, if the money runs out, you just get another pack. This out-of-control government spending surely must stop. The hole we have dug may already be too deep to climb out of. You're actually right, Lynn, it is. <laughs> it is too big to climb out of. There's no way we can. We're going to have to, as people are going to have to take a haircut, there's going to have to be some form of repudiation, uh, because we're never going to be able to keep up even with the rate of uh, spending that's required to service the debt, the interest on the debt. Uh, but good idea. Uh, actually look at Congress and say, all oh, that's unconstitutional. I mean, you could do that as president. That's the only one so far that I think uh, sounds like that's something the president really could do. And uh, here's uh, Mike uh, Jablonski from uh, Niles, Illinois. Listen to what the majority of real citizens want, ignoring what all the politicians who cater to a small or select small group want. Publicly show on TV and in print what each politician votes to support. Well, I mean, 
you could do that. I mean, there already are uh, publications out there that give you votes. Now, of course, some of these are just um, uh, votes where it's just a voice vote, so nobody knows exactly how people voted. But I mean, we do have C-SPAN. It's on TV already. Uh, <laughs> we do have uh, debates, and we do get in print how people vote. So there's, it's already there. You just got to go find it. Uh, but again, think locally, act locally, Mike. All these people that are saying these things, think locally, act locally. You can do these things in your local government. You can do these things in your own community. You can make your community a good place to live. You don't need the president to do it. But this is the real problem in America, that we want the president to do all of this stuff. And it's just unconstitutional. Do we really want an elected king? Hamilton said in 1787, this is eventually what we would get anyway, so let's just go there. And I think the majority of the American public probably does want that. I think it's very dangerous. We're going to do it, make it constitutional. I don't think we should, and I think if people understood why, they would start backing off of this, and the things they really want could all be accomplished by your local and state government. So again, the theme of everything for this show is think locally, act locally. What these people want the executive to do, which is all unconstitutional, could be done at your state and local government. This has been a little longer podcast, so I'm going to wrap it up here. I'll see you next time on The Brian McClain Show.